Hey guys, it's Hans Hess. Great to have you back with me on this podcast. This is the fourth installment on this uh, subject of counterculture that I'm doing. And today I want to deal with the subject of race uh, and how God sees that in the scripture and uh, preaching a sermon on this just called Colorblind. Uh, Genesis chapter 10, verses 31 and 32, the Bible says, These are the sons of Shem by their clans and languages in their territories and nations. And these are the clans of Noah's sons, according to their lines of descent within their nations. From these, the nations spread out over the earth after the flood. So what's cool about this passage is it shows how that all nations came from the line of Noah after the flood. So all nations came out of that, that uh, the same uh, genealogical source, Noah. And from there, they spread out all over the world. So how does God actually view race? Well, if we go back to the beginning, all nations go back to the same set of parents. That's Adam and Eve. Or later, uh, as I read, back to Noah. So if we think about it, what race were Adam and Eve? Well, they were of the human race. <laughs> so uh, in fact, some people even believe that the greater probability is that Adam and Eve were of darker skin because that is the dominant gene in skin color. But, you know, maybe God didn't tell us their skin tone because God doesn't equate membership in the human race with skin tone. So regardless of our skin, we all have the same roots and we all are considered part of the human race. David Platt in his book Counterculture actually suggests that we not use the term race in these discussions, but that we actually use the term ethnicity. Because ethnicity is, is more fluid and factors in not just the color of your skin, but also social, cultural, lingual, historical, and even religious characteristics. So as we look at the world and we look at the ethnicities in the world, we recognize that uh, there are approximately 200 nations in the world today, and anthropologists have identified something like uh, 11,000 or more people groups in the world. That is, people with their own identity, the common history or uh, patterns, customs, ethnicity, languages. So there's over 11,000 separate ethnic groups. In the United States, we're a nation of just increasingly diverse ethnic groups, whether it be uh, Latin Americans, Asian Americans, African Americans, Anglo Americans, whatever. We're just uh, a, a conglomerate now of these increasingly diverse groups, and each of these categories can be divided further into different ethnic diversities of different customs, different languages, and all that. So by removing race from the discussion, we're closer to attacking the real issue here, which is racism, which is a sin. So what are God's intentions for the different ethnic groups in the world? Well, we come into this really interesting story in Genesis chapter 11. In Genesis chapter 11, all the people of the earth gathered together in the plains of Shinar and started to build a temple unto, uh, unto the heavens. They said in, in Genesis 11:3, "'Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly.'" Uh, they had brick for stone, asphalt for mortar, and they said, come, let us build ourselves a city 
and a tower whose top is in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. There was something in them that they didn't want to fulfill God's command to go and scatter themselves among the earth and occupy, so to speak. So they came together, and some believe that this even relates to some sort of uh, cultic or uh, some kind of uh, demon worship or some kind of astrology at, at the least, they were building this tower into heaven. Well, God was super displeased with this, and God comes down and confounds their languages at that point, and then they can't even communicate with each other, and, and the, the nations of the world were divided, so to speak. And it looks like all hope is gone, man. It looks like at the end of Genesis chapter 11, there's just no hope left for mankind. But then we turn the page to Genesis chapter 12, and God calls a man named Abram. And isn't that the way God moves, that when it seems like all hope is gone, God calls a man. He calls a person who will go do what God uh, intends for the earth realm. So he calls Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and then he speaks these words to him. He says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What an amazing plan that God gave this, uh, this beautiful covenantal promise to Abraham that he was going to use him, this one guy, to be a blessing to all the earth. Now, we believe this was a prophecy of the coming Messiah being Jesus, that who would come from the line of Abraham and that through Abraham, all the nations on the earth would be blessed because God wants all the nations on earth to be in relationship with him. If you see Psalm 96, it says, Sing unto the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, and sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. So God wants his glory revealed among all of the ethnic groups of the world. Even in the book of Acts, we see that the church exploded with ethnic diversity. Uh, just the church of Antioch that we see appearing in Acts chapter 13. Some scholars say that it was, it was probably filled with up to 80% immigrants. And then on into the first century church, the second century church, the churches of Rome, the churches of Asia Minor, a lot of those were primarily ethnically diverse immigrant communities. No wonder Paul writes in the book of Ephesians and addresses these ethnic divisions. And I know the context here is primarily between Jews and Gentiles, but I think it fits our, uh, our context here for this uh, podcast. He says in Ephesians chapter 2, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Here he's used the term aliens and strangers, which are, are, are big words in uh, Judaism. Judaism and Jewish history. He said, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been made or been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Then on in verse 18, he says, for through him, we both have access by one spirit to the father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So Paul is, is stating this beautiful truth that in Christ we're no longer strangers, we're no longer foreigners, but we're fellow citizens with the saints. We're all made one body. The division between Jew and Gentile has been destroyed now. We're all one in Christ. 
Paul says in Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. And really anything that comes against this principle is sin. I mean, let's just face it. And I know there are many prejudices that we have to deal with in America, but hey, if we're in Christ, we're made one and we're the family of God now. I don't care what ethnic group you come from, we're all made one under his bloodline. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 28, we see what um, we know is the Great Commission. And I think it's the, it, this is the mission statement for the entire church. That Jesus says right before he went to heaven, he told his disciples, he said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And he says, be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And what's interesting is the term nations here in Greek is that rich term ethnos, which means ethnicities. So he's not just say, go, saying go to all of the governmental nations, the 200 nations in the world. No, he's saying go to every ethnic group on the face of the earth. Make sure that all 11,000 plus that we have in the world today hear the gospel because everyone has a right to hear the gospel. And then finally, over in the book of Revelation, one of my favorite passages is found in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, when John the Revelator saw this beautiful vision of heaven in the future, and it included people from all ethnicities. He said in verse 9 of chapter 7, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count from every nation or every ethnic group and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. So heaven is going to be a place filled with people from all ethnic groups and backgrounds. Isn't that going to be an amazing place to be? So let's, let's, let's conclude this whole thing by saying this. How about let's practice some of this heaven on earth in the here and now? How about let's break down racial uh, divisions in our communities? And how about let's start in the church? I think the church should be the one place on earth that represents the kingdom of God as it is in heaven. Let it be on earth. So let's let the church be ethnically diverse. Let's stand against the sin of racism. And then in our communities, let's be, let's be open to ministering to other cultures. Let's repent of racism and of prejudice that's in our heart. And let's let God move because God has one race, the human race. He has one people. That's his church. And if we're washed in his blood, the divisions uh, should wash away with that. I want to close with this. In the beginning of the Pentecostal revival, the watershed event of the Pentecostal movement was what was known as the Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles, California. And what was so interesting about that uh, revival was that it was pastored by a one-eyed African-American brother. And it was filled with African-Americans. And this was in the days, of course, of uh, racial segregation. But a lot of your Anglo, your white Holiness pastors went to these meetings 
and were baptized in the Holy Spirit and blessed in such amazing ways and then even sent out, and some of them even ordained by the black ministers. That was the beginning of Pentecost in America. One reporter went there and reported uh, his findings of the whole uh, Azusa Street revival, and he, he made a very famous statement. He said, the color line was washed away in the blood. The color line was washed away in the blood. And I think it was because God was doing a new thing. He was doing an awesome thing in revival. And let's see it happen again in America. God bless you guys. Go forth and reach people for Jesus. Fire.